All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to finish the chapter, Lord willing, and the creek doesn't rise. I don't know what that means, but amen. Uh, the roof don't fall in or whatever, amen. Isn't it wonderful to have no leaks in the roof? For years we had leaks in the roof, and uh, now we don't have leaks in the roof. But Mark Greer did a great job on this roof, I'll tell you that. <clears throat> All right, Romans chapter 8, this is my eighth message uh, out of Romans chapter 8. And so I hope we've covered it well, and uh, I thank God for this chapter, and I thank God for this subject. That song goes right along with the message, because I'm preaching on uh, the divine compassion of the spirit life. All through this month, we've uh, preached on the spirit life, and uh, from verse 1 all the way to verse 39, there's a difference in living in the flesh and living in the spirit. There's a difference in being lost and being saved. When you're saved, you have the lover inside of you. How many of you know that you need to be loved by somebody? Raise your hand. God put that in your heart, that you be loved and that you be loving as you're loved by God. We need to pass it on, amen? Uh, I taught this weekend, and I think it was about six hours. I might have exaggerated about seven. I don't want to do that. About six hours on 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Some of the lessons I taught in last uh, uh, week's, uh, or last year's retreat. By the way, I went by Blue Mountain Miss. I told them we were still coming, so we got to make sure we can only take 15 couples, uh, and they wanted to know how many we had exactly. I said, well, man, that's next April. We'll, we'll decide soon, but uh, we're going to get those reservations in by Christmas, so be sure to be the first 15 couples to sign up. It's going to be great. Amen. All right, first, uh, what, first Peter 5, 7 says, nobody... No one's ever cared for me like Jesus. And that song by Weigel uh, is a great one because his wife uh, divorced him, didn't want to be in the ministry, and he was up in the uh, uh, Highland Park Baptist Church. That's where the pastor that I was with this weekend went to church, and he met his, I mean, school, and he met his wife at Tennessee Temple. By the way, after the retreat, they were driving to Canada to see their children who are missionaries up in Canada. That's a long drive. I, I got sleepy driving back to uh, to Dalton. Matter of fact, I didn't even drive half the way. I had my little phone watching the Georgia Bulldogs play, and my wife drove. And then she drove to Atlanta. Well, I'll tell you what, thank God for her. But anyway, um, I don't know if I could drive to Canada. I'll tell you that right now. I had to pray about that. But look at verse 31. Think of that song, Brother Travis. Let's stand on to the Word of God. What shall we then say to these things? Oh, folks, it's so wonderful. He had nothing else to say, but he's going to say a few things. If God be for us, who can be against us? You with me now? Romans 8, verse 31. Look at your Bible. And then verse 32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to, to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justified. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake are we killed all the day long, we are counted sheep for the slaughter. It was rough being a Christian back then. And nay, in all these things, 
We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Here it is. I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for your love. And Lord, you just didn't say you loved us. You proved it by going to Calvary. And Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, I needed to be loved by somebody when I was a kid. And Lord, you came into my life and Lord taught me about what it really meant to be loved and forgiven and saved and on the way to heaven and have purpose and peace and joy before I got there. And thank the Lord for it. And I pray, dear God, that you'd help us this morning uh, to preach this last message out of Romans chapter 8. Lord, with conviction that there's nothing, as the Word of God says, that can separate us from the love of God. And Lord, I pray if there's one that's never been saved uh, sitting in this uh, sanctuary or in junior church or even preschool church, I pray, God, you'd speak to their hearts and the day would be the day that they received the gift of salvation and received your love and, Lord, had, has the opportunity of a lifetime to let you love through them. And We'll thank you and we'll praise you for what you do in and through this, this, this word of God that's so powerful. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, since I started Romans 8, I've been looking forward to these verses. and So I hope I don't blow it. Amen. I just thank God for these verses. And folks, I want you to see the provision of His care. In verses 31 through 39, um, folks, the greatest care is for one's soul and its salvation. I want to say this, friend. Uh, when you see the love of God, He's still on the theme that you cannot lose your salvation. Last week, we had a good time preaching out of uh, verse 30. I appreciate the response. Some people wanted the Scriptures written down, so I put them on Facebook where all of y'all are or some of you are, and, uh, and you can see those verses on foreknowledge and predestination and being called and being justified. And I thank God that the Lord loves whosoever, Amen. and He'll no wise cast you out. Folks, I want to tell you something. He wants you to get saved a lot more than you want to get saved because He paid the price, amen. And He took your sin debt that you could never pay, and He took your hell that you could never pay, and he, saved, he, he, he provided salvation all because He loved you. God commended His love towards us, and while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a powerful verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But these are very powerful verses. And um, Paul lists four ways uh, uh, that that care is furnished, and, and he could say almost four proofs of eternal security. You know, I, I don't believe that God would love his children and then disown them. Now, some parents are a little sorry on this earth because they're not saved. They're not being detrimental or, or demeaning. But I want to tell you something. Our Heavenly Father is perfect. And he's especially perfect in the area of loving you no matter what. Isn't that great? That he loves you and that nothing can take that love away from you. Nothing can take your salvation away. Uh, we see, first of all, the provision in the care in verses 31 and 32. And he has four questions. And I want uh, the Lord uh, used questions when he preached and taught. 
And so did the Apostle Paul. He has some great questions here. The, the first question is, is if, if God be for us, who can be against us? Look at verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? He said, if God be for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? I want to tell you something, friend. Uh, that's not saying that we're not going to have people come against us and the devil and uh, the flesh and the world, but they'll not be successful. Amen? God help us to realize that we are secure in His love and Satan may oppose, but he cannot terminate your salvation. Aren't you glad of that? Amen? You can't lose the gift of love from your Father. And so here's the question. If God be for us, who can be against us? And so folks, listen, there's, there's, a, you know, there's a question here, but there's also an answer. Folks, and that answer is this. God gave us salvation, His beloved Son. And it's so great that no one can take that away from us. And folks, nobody can undermine that. And you shouldn't uh, take it for granted how wonderful it is to be saved. Paul adds a real encouragement in, uh, for our prayer life in verse 32. He said, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with, with him also freely give us all things? If that verse doesn't encourage you to pray, then you need to reread it. Folks, I want to tell you something. If the Lord Jesus Christ died for you, and if God gave his only son for you, and God saved your soul, he will take care of you after you get saved. And he'll continue to love you no matter what. And folks, he's a good father, say amen. He, he, he's a wonderful shepherd, and he'll not leave you or forsake you. And folks, we see this, um, this first care is, is the care of uh, uh, the provision. And that provision is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the answer to the question is, it's a superior uh, uh, a solution. Jesus Christ, God Almighty, the Savior in verse 32 is pointed out. If God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us. For us. You ought to circle those two words. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Then second of all, I see a, a, a purifying care. A purifying care in verse 33. The Bible says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. These are charges against the believer which disputes the believer's eternal life, eternal salvation. That's the theme. And folks, the accusation in the question is there. Uh, turn to Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. You know the verse, but you need to look at it again. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his, of, of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which ac accused them before our God day and night. That's talking about Satan. Satan is an accuser of the brethren. And I want to tell you something. Satan is a great accuser, and he charges us after we're uh, saved that uh, you can't be saved, and you're no longer saved. But I want to tell you something. The answer to that question is, Folks, uh, and a lot of people, you know, it's just, it's a great question. Uh, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? And the devil's going to try to charge you. He's going to accuse you. 
And I don't think you ought to give him grounds to accuse you. There ought to be enough evidence to convict you that you're a real Christian. Amen? And a lot of times people have doubts about their salvation because they're so divided and they're so deluded and they're so detoured by this world. And folks, I want to tell you something. We shouldn't be living on the fence. We ought to be totally committed to God. We ought to be carrying the cross. We ought to be walking with God. And I want to tell you what will solve a lot of doubts is you just live for God. And I mean love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your might. Folks, I'll tell you what, some people just get one foot in. No wonder you think you've fallen out. Man, you need to get all your feet in, amen? You know, you know uh, 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 Peter didn't want to get uh, uh, his feet washed. And he said, if I don't wash you, uh, you know, you're none of me or something in uh and he said, well, just wash all of me, amen. I just want to dive in, amen. That's the way we ought to be. We ought to be totally committed to Christ. If you straddle the fence, you'll have doubts about your salvation because the accuser of the brethren, Satan, will say, that's not the way a Christian ought to think. That's not the way a Christian ought to act. That's not the way a Christian ought to react. That's not the way a Christian ought to be faithful uh, when you're unfaithful. And the accuser of the brethren, you give ground to Satan to give you serious doubts about his love. And folks, all this last verses, and I never looked at it this way until I studied the whole chapter, and I've been preaching for a long time now and uh, trying to study my Bible since I've been saved since I was 11 years old, and that's a long time ago, right after the Civil War. No, but, uh, you know, I, I never looked at this love of God in, in relating to salvation. And folks, this whole theme of this, Verses 28 on down through verse 39 is about eternal salvation. That when you get saved, God's not an Indian giver. When you get saved, the Father never disowns you. When you get saved, He never divorces the bride. He loves you no matter what, and no one, including Satan, can rob you of His love. And that love is ultimately, He gave Himself for you at Calvary. It's a divine work. What's the answer to this question? Well, it's found in verse 33. The last part of it says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Amen? You didn't save yourself. Hey, let me say this. If there's a ladder to heaven, you can unclimb it. Unclimb it. Is that a word? You can climb back down it. Amen? And if, and if there's works for salvation, you can unwork it. But folks, there's not works for salvation. There's not a ladder to salvation. There's a cross to salvation. And on that cross is the Lamb of God. And I want to say this, friend. Jesus saved you by His blood and He justified you. Just if I'd never sinned. And you're saved past tense, present tense, and future tense. We ought to have some blessed assurance about our lives. God has purified the redeemed. Past, present, and future. Saved, saved, saved. Do you new life sublime. You know that song? Amen. <laughs> And saved means from the penalty of sin. Saved from the power of sin. That's present. And then one day saved from the very presence of sin. I'm glad I'm not going to hell because that's just a place of constant sin. Can you imagine the murmuring and grumbling and complaining and filth that's going on in hell right now? I would not miss heaven for anything, but I want to tell you something. I wouldn't go to hell because I don't like the neighborhood. All of you choose your neighborhood, don't you? You look around, amen? And I want to tell you something, friend. The abominable are in hell. The whoremongers are in hell. The wicked are in hell. 
But then also the unbelieving are in hell. And the fearful are in hell. Read Revelation 21.8 sometime. But thank God I'm not going to hell. I remember one time I was preaching over in Colorado in Brother Chris Hanks' church. And this uh, um, quartet of little girls got up. And they were about 11, 12, 9, 10, I think. Uh, that, and they were singing, I'm not going to hell. You know, a good song that the uh, uh, little girls down Mars and girls sing. It's really good. And I preached on hell. They didn't know I was going to preach on hell. And after the service, one of those people, that, one of those little girls that was singing, I'm not going to hell, she got saved. She really wasn't going to hell then, amen? And I want to tell you something. Today she's not going to hell, and she never will go to hell if she really got saved. Old devil tries to give you doubts. He wants you to doubt the love of God. Don't you ever doubt God. You might doubt yourself. You can doubt me because I'll let you down, but God has never let you down, and he never will let you down. Oh, it is written in red because it's written in the blood, his love. Then number three, I won't be long tonight, today. I'm not preaching tonight. He'll be long, but I won't be long. Tell us, tell us something about it tonight uh, after the service. I, I want you to, this is exciting tonight. You need to be back. But I want you to see the performance for the care. The performance of the care. Look at verse 34. It says this, who is he that condemneth? All right, who, who, who can talk you out of the love of God? Who can condemn you after you're saved? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Folks, the third question is a scorning question. Who is he that condemneth? The condemnation will not stand, for no con condemner has power to take away our salvation. I like how this... Um, Chapter started, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are after, which are in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're just religious, there's a lot of condemnation. And you're probably a condemn, condemning person because your works will never measure up. You'll never measure up, and you'll just be condemned and you'll be condemning. But praise God, it says there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. It says, who walk after the flesh. Uh, walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And then the whole chapter elaborates on that. That in the Spirit, you can sense His love. In the Spirit, you can sense His compassion. In the Spirit, you can draw upon um, the blessing of being eternally saved. Eternal life means eternal life. Uh, here's the answer. The superior in the answer. It says it is Christ that died. Look at it. Look at, your, look at your Bible. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, is risen again. Don't leave the resurrection out of the gospel. Because a lot of people have died for the faith. But nobody's ever got up from the grave and stayed out of the grave. Amen. Thank God he overcame death hell, and the grave for you to be saved. Isn't that wonderful? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 16, you know it. And folks, it says, yea, risen again. And it even gets better than that. And it's even on the right hand of God. He not only died, and buried, and arose, but He ascended. And thank God, what's He doing today? He's praying. He's praying for you. It says, He ever liveth, and who also maketh intercession for us. 
So folks, listen, if you think you're lost, you've been saved, and you're lost, a lot of people get saved, lost, saved, lost, and over that. The greatness of the one that does the saving ought to make you secure. Amen? I taught this and I teach it every 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 couple of tricks. The greatest need for a lady in a in, in a in a relationship of marriage is security. That means to feel loved, be loved, no matter what. No matter how wide she gets, no matter how ugly she might get. And men, stop smiling because you're uglier. But you know, not you know, not not what we go through, nothing like that. Folks, we ought to love our gift of our spouse more today than we did when we got married. Amen. Amen. And it ought to grow. But I'll say this, folks. You won't love anybody unless you have the love of God because you have no capacity. Best you can do is maneuver and manipulate in the flesh. That's right. Best you can do is get your little old way. Best you can do is get bitter, grumpier, madder, sadder, and just give up. But in Christ, you're more than a conqueror. Amen? And if God be for you, who can be against you? Isn't that wonderful? Our relationship with God is real through the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and interceding ministry of God. He's praying for you. And why would he do all that if you could lose it? If he knew you was going, he knows everything, foreknowledge. If he knew you was going to get saved, lost, saved, lost. Why is he praying for you? By the way, let me give you another question. Why does he discipline you? For whom the Lord loveth, he scourged and chastened, every son whom he receiveth. Hebrews 12, 6. Why would he bother to discipline you? I'll tell you why, because you're his child. Amen? I talked a little bit on that this weekend about disciplined children, how to discipline them, and how to raise them, and how to pass the love of God on to them. And they, and they were a bunch of school teachers, uh, Christian school teachers. I got 196 students in their, in their, in their uh, Christian school. What a, what a blessing. And, um, but they need to hear it, and I need to hear it, that folks, God loves us enough to discipline us. God loves us enough to come after us. Amen? Hey, what is it? Luke 15, prodigal son. Well, the real picture is the perfect father. Guess what? He had the light on the porch. Not Hotel 6 either, praise God. It was the father on the porch looking for the son. He never disowned him. He never gave up. Now, he let him learn a hard lesson. That the husk is empty. The mud is terrible, and sin is a hog pen. And to a Jew, that's a pretty bad place to be. Say amen. They don't even eat that. I love hog, amen. You don't believe it, just, just put, cook some about 14 hours on a grill and see if I don't come over to your house. But anyway, uh, folks, listen, the greatness uh, of the one who saves us makes salvation secure. But I want to get to the last point. You say, I wish you would. But I like serious because I know where I'm going, and I love it. Um, I love to preach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. But we see the passion in His care. Passion means love. And the love of God is greater far than tongue or, or pen could ever tell. The love of God is better than any song we could sing about it. The love of God is so powerful. And salvation is spoken of here in the terms of God's love. The love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The final phrase of this chapter says, the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
And then we have a passion here. The reason for the question, when a saved person experiences adversity in life, sometimes the tendency is to think, well, God no longer, longer loves me. I, don't, I can't understand the uh, tragedies of, uh, of life. I was talking to grandmother back here of the little boy that was killed in that car accident. And, uh, now the other little fellow, Mason, I believe it is, has lost his foot. That's a tragedy for a little seven or eight-year-old little boy. And folks, I don't understand all that. But I know this, God still loves him. God still has a plan for his little life. And we ought not get bitter, but we ought to get closer to God when tragedy takes place. And, and here Paul starts telling us about tragedy and then about opposition. I want you to look at in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, tragedy, or distress, or persecution? I'm going to tell you something. They paid the price for being Christians in those days. They were locked up, starved, fed the lions, beat, crucified. They paid the price. And their own Jewish families would disown them if they ever publicly came out and got baptized and and said, I'm a Christian. Identify with the death, burial, and resurrection after they were saved. Or famine. Or nakedness. Or peril. Or sword. Look at verse 36. You with me? Verse 36 says, It is written, For thy sake are we killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. That's the way they treated the first century Christian. It was like sheep to the slaughter. They were martyred, murdered, maliciously mistreated, jailed and, and uh, taken away from their families to be a Christian. And I guarantee you, don't you realize they had that temptation of saying, God, you don't love me. God, you must have not, you must, you're not faithful to me. I must not be saved. This Christianity must not be what it's all uh, hyped up to be. Don't, don't, don't look at them because you've had the same doubts, the same depression, and the same thoughts of unbelief. I have, you have. We've all said, man, what's going on, God? Why me, Lord? What have I ever done? Chris Christopherson, old song. That's pitiful. But anyway, the tendency is to think that God no longer loves us and saying, I've lost my salvation. Must have lost my salvation. Well, here's the reply. Look at verse 37. Nay, nay, no, no. To all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Folks, this is the answer to the question. It's sevenfold. We see the plainness of the reply. And Folks, I want to say this, and I hope I get in trouble saying it. <clears throat> we're not victims. I'm so sick and tired of this victim society that we live in. Oh, I'm black, I'm a victim. I'm a woman, I'm a victim. Uh, I'm not rich, I'm a victim. Give me a free handout, give me a free enabler. Folks, I want to tell you something. We as Christians are not victims. We're victors. We're more than conquerors. Stop feeling sorry for yourself and go to work. 
<laughs> Amen. I'm preaching now, praise God. Two people just walked out. But I'll say this, thank, thank God. Thank God that we can have some um, courage and conviction and, and energy about our life. We don't have to sit around and wait for a handout. We don't have to sit around and feel sorry for ourselves. We don't have to sit around and say, I'm a victim. I was talking to somebody the other day, really rebuking them. And they said, I said, why don't you go back to the mission field? If you don't like your mission board, find another one. You, if God's called you to go back to the mission field, go back to your mission field. He says, no, I'm a victim. I said, that's what's wrong with you. You ought to be a victor. And I love you and God loves you, but I want to tell you something. There's no place to quit. There's no place to recant. There's no place to go against your calling. Folks, we need to go on for God. And folks, the devil will try to persuade us. But look what the Bible says about the persuasion in this reply. In verse 38, it says, For I am persuaded. Now, I wish I had time to go into it, but my time's up because you won't listen to me another hour. You won't listen to me in 30 more minutes, I don't think. I hope to do, because I'm going to take 15. But I'm going to say this. Paul went through it. I ain't got time to go over it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he was beat more times than our Lord was. He was, crucif he was crucified, um, nailed to a cross, I mean not nailed to a cross, but stoned. And uh, he was shipwrecked, he was in nakedness, he was in peril. And, th and then the trials of his own church, he started first. Corinthians, and, and I knew a preacher, uh, I still know him, uh, Brother Don Richards, I always kid him, I said, why did y'all name your church Corinth Baptist? He said, Brother Wayne, it's of the second epistle. And don't, don't forget it, it's the second epistle. Because the first epistle was messed up. The whole thing's a rebuke, except verse chapter 13, where it says, but there's an excellent way, the love of God. But I'm just saying this, friend, I am persuaded. I got firm conviction, even though I've been shipwrecked, naked in peril, and the church has gone bananas and just sinful that I started. And folks, he said he was beat five times and shipwrecked and, and forsaken and in prison and in peril. I mean, there's a long list in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I ain't got time to read it. I should have because I've been preaching on it the last 10 minutes. But folks, thank God Paul said, I'm not a victim. I'm more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. Don't get sucked down this victim mentality of this day. Everybody's a victim. No, if you're saved, you're not a victim. You're a victory. You're the victory was won at Calvary, say amen. Stop feeling sorry for yourself and get going for God, amen? I just thought I needed to preach that. It was a rabbit that needed to be shot, amen? Okay, then we see the persuasion in the reply. I am persuaded, firm conviction, but then the possibilities in the reply, look at verse 38. For neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from what? The love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's saying you're saved. If you're saved, you're on the winning side, say amen. Folks, I see the possibility that replied, neither death or life. If we die, God's love's still real. Matter of fact, it'll be more real to you than ever before. And if you live and face all these oppositions, and, and aren't we living in perilous times? I never thought we'd live in times like this. People redefining marriage and redefining gender and shaking their fist at God and say, I'll be my own God. 
More people at the ball game today than church. It, that's not the way this country started. No, sir. Folks, we started in revival. Amen. George Whitfield preached to Benjamin Franklin. So I had enough sense to help with the Declaration of Independence. And it was really a Declaration of Dependence on God. Boy, we've gone a long ways down. A long ways away from God. It ought to, it ought to burden us. But the power that applies, nor angel, principality, powers, no power in heaven, death, can end our salvation. That's what he's saying. Then the places, heights or depths. Then the personalities, nor any other creature. Paul included everyone, human and superhuman. None can take away the salvation. And none can separate us from the love of God. No one, no principality, no devil. No Satan, no uh, demon, no person can separate us from the love of God. And I see last but not least, the permanency of um, the reply that says, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I'm glad I'm permanently saved. That doesn't mean I need to sit back on my blessed assurance and become a victim or, you know, say I'm not going to serve God. It's not a passive thing. It's an active love. And folks, Paul never quit. He finished his course. He kept the faith. And he fought a good fight. And he says, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me. And not only for me, but to all those who love his appearing. You know why you love God's appearing? Because you love him. Amen. You hadn't got over your salvation. You hadn't got over the victory that was won at Calvary. And so once saved, always saved, praise God. And if you look at this whole chapter, I want to just review the whole chapter real quick in one minute. We're free from judgment because Christ died for us. and We have His righteousness. We're freedom from judgment, no condemnation, verse 1 through 4. We're free from defeat because Christ lives in us by the Spirit and we share His life. So there's no obligation to the flesh. There's no obligation to the devil. There's no obligation to this... This, uh, this crazy, corrupt world. I, I, listen, friend, I'm not a puppet of Washington. I'm not going to preach according to what's politically correct. Thank God I'm set free from that stuff because there is no judgment because Christ died for the righteous. Thank God for that. Then there, we're free from discouragement. We're free from discouragement. Because Christ is coming for us. And we share His glory one day. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. Isn't that great? So there's no frustration. There shouldn't be any frustration in your life. There's a lot of frustration if you're not saved. You'll stay frustrated. Because you'll look to this world and it will never satisfy you. You'll look to the flesh and your, your own self will let you down. But when you're saved, you look to the Heavenly Father and follow Him. And you don't take His hand, He takes your hand. And get you across the street of adversity and problems and trials. And then there's freedom from um, separation. Amen? No fear. Verse 31 again, I'll read it and we'll close this chapter. I've enjoyed chapter 8, hadn't you? Hope we can find another good chapter. Amen. It says in verse 31, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? No condemnation. No obligation, no frustration, no separation. If God be for us, 
who can be against us. I like that old song that Philip Cudd used to sing with the choir. I don't know if he's still singing that or not. I heard he's in a good independent Baptist church in Dayton, Ohio. But he'd get up here, a little old boy, and he'd sing, I'm on the winning side, and the choir would back him up. Y'all probably don't remember that. It might not have been him singing. It might have been Stephen. I don't know who it was. But I know one thing. That song's true. The choir's sing it many times since then. And folks, the thing is, there is nothing that can separate us from God's love. Nothing. And so what you need to do this morning is you need to receive God's love. If you've never been saved, there's a love offer. There's a love gift. It's called salvation. And when you believe that you're a sinner, which we all are, and you come to Him humbly and say, Lord, I need you to save me, not just from hell, which that's good enough to be saved, but from this hellish world, this defeated world, this victim mentality world. Help me get off that. Hey, listen, from this uh, sinful world, from this perilous times, amen. Thank God we're saved present tense too, from the dominion of Satan. I'm glad I'm not a puppet of Satan. He doesn't run my mind. He doesn't run my life. I'm glad I belong to Jesus because He first loved me. I love Him and He saved my soul. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank You that we can be more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Thank You, dear God, through all these tragedies, I think there were seven of them listed, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, even the slaughter of being a Christian in those days, nothing separation from the love of God. Then all these enemies, uh, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, the unseen world, Satan himself, or heights, nor death, or any creature is able to separate us from the love of God. Thank you for that powerful truth. Oh, well, to go away from here feeling secure in your love, thankful for your love, walking in peace in your love, not discouraged, not frustrated, but believing that if you're for us, there's nothing that can defeat us. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment of invitation, we don't come to people, we don't embarrass people, but I sure love to pray for people because that's the best I can do for you is pray for you. But you'd say, preacher, this morning, I needed the message, but I know I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. And victory for me was one at Calvary. And I trust the Lord. Maybe he was 11 or 12 or 13. Maybe he was a little girl, a little boy got saved. Aren't you glad you got saved at an early age? Didn't waste your teenage years in sin and depression and uh, in the world trying to get satisfaction. Aren't you glad you got saved young? But how many of you know you're saved? Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony? You've been saved by the grace of God. Nobody's looking now. Nobody's private. I mean, glad you say, say amen. amen. Several cannot raise your hand. And you say, preacher, I need the message this morning. Because I sure need to be loved by my creator. I need to be in union with my creator. I want to be on the winning side. I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of feeling like a loser. And I just thank God for this opportunity to admit that I need to be saved. And I want you to please pray for me. I won't come to you. won't embarrass you. I want to do the most I could ever do for you. Because I love you. I want to pray for you. 
And you just slip your hand up and say, Preacher, I need to be saved. Would you slip your hand up real high and then back down so I can pray for you? Anyone? Anyone? Real quick. They're asking the same thing in that children's church up there. Junior church, I promise you. Hey, one little lady was saved Wednesday night. Trust the Lord as her Savior. Miss Tiffany got the privilege to lead her into the Lord. What a blessing. Worth all the obstacles. All the things we have to fight to get these kids here. But how about it? Do you know you're saved? You say, no, I don't. I need peace. I need joy. I need purpose. Please pray for me, preacher. Anyone? Just slip your hand up. God bless you. I see that hand. And thank you for your honesty. Anyone else? Anyone else? Real quick. I mean, say, preacher, I'm a Christian. But sometimes I do feel like a victim. Sometimes I feel like I'm outnumbered on the job. And sometimes I am discouraged. And this chapter's helped me. This chapter's helped me to have more faith in God and more love for God and more assurance about the love of God in my life. And I just want to be closer to Him. And I want to have more victory in my life. And that's my prayer this morning. Would you raise your hand high for prayer? i got to raise mine. I'll raise both of them. I need more victory. I need more peace. Don't you? Discouragement sometimes hits me bad. And I don't want, I don't want that to get me down. And I don't want to get you down. Father, thank you for those that raise their hand to be saved. I pray they'd walk the aisle um, this morning. Let us show them in the Bible how to be saved. Lord, it be the greatest day of their life. I'll never forget the day when I was 11 years old, son of a drunk, had nothing to offer anyone. God, you saved me after a preacher preached on hell. And Lord, you not only saved me from hell, you saved me from this world of depression and problems and trials and attacks from Satan. And I thank you for that. I pray you'll do the same thing for these that raise their hand. Lord, for all we Christians, God, help us to be proof positive evidence of the love of God and the victory that was won at Calvary. We're going to praise you and thank you for being a witness to our loved ones that are not interested, that have fallen out of love or left their first love, that don't even care about church or the Word of God anymore. God, help us to be a pungent reminder that we're more than conquerors. Christ. God forbid we'd join them. God forbid we'd get down with them. But God help us to pull them up. Not in pride, but in humility. That the love of God pulled us up. And so Lord, use us. Use us this morning to show the world how much you love them. In Jesus' name, amen.